0: We're calling the movement. Uh, it's a study out of the Book of Acts. Uh, uh, just if you have your Bibles this morning, turn with me to Acts chapter five. Is where we're going to be at today. And, and what we've been seeing in this series is is basically this. We've been talking about the fact that the church, as it began, it began as a movement. Uh, It didn't begin as an institution. It didn't begin as an event. uh, It didn't begin as a building program. But instead, it started out as this movement uh, that swept through our land. Uh, And sadly today, uh, what we see is that many people don't recognize the fact that the church is a movement. But they see it instead as just a place that they go, uh, an event that they tend uh, when their schedule allows it. So what we've been doing is we've been looking at the first century church um, and and seeing, you know, what Christianity looked like in its early days, uh, you know, when this great movement began. And we've seen, you know, uh, what was behind this was that they were captured by the right they were witnesses to Jesus they had walked with him they had talked with him they had experienced the miracles they had witnessed the the death the burial and the resurrection and it was because of this Jesus said you will be my witnesses into all the world and so they you know they knew how important this message was and so they were dead set on sharing the message and making sure that everyone that they could get it to would get it and and receive it and so we saw that the movement began because they were captured by the message. We also saw the power of this movement was in the fact that they surrendered to and they yielded to the Holy Spirit working in and through their lives because Jesus knew when he left here, right, that in our own power, we can never do this on our own. Uh, We could never uh, uh, accomplish being his witnesses into all the world, and so he sent us a helper, the apostles realized they couldn't do what they had been instructed to do. And so they yielded to the Holy Spirit. They allowed the Holy Spirit to control them and to lead them and to guide them and give them the power they needed. And we see here in the book of Acts exactly what it looks like to be a part of this movement, to be captured by the message, to be yielded to the Holy Spirit and surrendered to him. And, and we see the passion and, and, and the purpose behind this movement and the beginning of the church uh, as we know it today. And, and in some ways, the first century church, as you look at it and kind of go through the story, I think it's interesting that the first century church uh, is really not any different than the church today. Uh, 2,000 years later, uh, they were experiencing some great days. They were experiencing some awesome things that God had done. And they also were encountering some problems. Right? They were encountering some challenges, uh, some negativity... Uh, among uh, some of the people, and and as I looked at this, and and I studied this, and I began to think about our church, this movement of God that's been taking place here in Greenbrier for 115 years. This coming year, we will celebrate 115 years as a church here at this location uh, in Greenbrier, and we've experienced some great days we, we've experienced and witnessed, and, and some of us haven't lived all 115 years. Some of you were here in the beginning, uh, but, but some of us weren't. But it, it was only through the faithfulness of people that were captured by the message and that were yielding to the Holy Spirit that we're able to be here today. And to experience what we're experiencing, but God has done some great things in and through this church over all those years, uh, and is doing continues to do some really exciting things as well. And I get excited about that. I, I get excited about what God is doing, and when I see Him at work in a family, or I see Him uh, at work in a in a father or a mother or a child, or when I see God doing incredible things, you know, I, I get excited about that. When we experience, you know. God moving in awesome ways, but we're human, right? Just like the people in the first century church when the movement began, humans, right? And we're all human. And so, you know, we hit summer and we naturally, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, attendance begins to drop. Uh, uh, And, you know, just for some reason it just in the summer, sometimes it feels like there's this negative vibe that's going on. And maybe it's just me. I don't know. You know, this morning uh, before church started, I always, you know, uh, go out in the parking lot and sweep steps and porches and all that. And I was just walking around out there and, you know, I was looking at birds' nests that were building in the cracks. And I was like, you know, Uh, I I was looking out across the parking lot. I'm sorry for those of you that park under that power line. I can't control those birds. I know why they have determined that our parking lot will be their personal outhouse i do not know but if you've ever parked under the power lines you know exactly what i'm talking about uh, I was looking at that. as I was looking at grass growing up in the parking lot and all those things. You know, walk in. It's obvious we've had vacation Bible school here this week because there are flies everywhere uh, in the building. There's stains on the carpet. We got a building project going on back there that is never going to end. Honestly, I don't think it ever will. You know, and, and sometimes I, I began to think about that while we were talking about this, what we're talking about in our scripture this morning. And, and it just seems like sometimes everywhere you look, there's a problem. Everywhere that you, we look, there's just something negative, and we see challenges. And, you know, sometimes in your lives, I know none of you are, 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 are as bad as me, and you probably don't feel this way, but sometimes it just feels like life is a struggle, you know? Uh, it just feels like everything is stacked against you, nothing's going right, and, and everything is just, you know, a, a challenge. Uh, and, and sometimes in the movement, Uh, when we're part of the movement, it seems like there's just this obstacle and there's problems that we face and all that. But you know what the real problem is? It's not the problems that are the problems. What is the problem is what we choose to focus on. And that's what we're going to see in our scripture here today, because here's the deal. Satan wants us to focus on the problems, Satan wants us to focus on the bird's nest and the bird poop and the grass growing and the stains and all the things that we can look around us and see that, you know, drive us nuts or whatever. Satan wants us to focus on those things because he knows if he can get us to focus on the things that frustrate us, then we are not focused on the movement. We're not focused on the things that God would have us to focus on. And so, you know, Satan knows that. Yes, there's always going to be negatives. Yes, there's always going to be bird poop. There's, you know, there's always going to be stains on the carpet. But there's also always going to be things that are great, right? An empty tomb we sang about, you know, God, God is, is awesome and he is always going to be awesome and he is always going to be at work. And so just because we're part of the movement doesn't mean that things are always going to go smoothly. Doesn't mean the building projects are going to end when we think they should end. You know, it doesn't mean just because we're on the movement that there won't be challenges and issues taking place. But often those challenges are just there because God is at work. Because God is doing what God wants to do. And he never promised us that it would be easy. He just promised us that he'd be with us as we as we do these things and in the early church they faced things just like we do they faced obstacles they faced negativity you know they faced they had positive things happening they had negative things that were happening you know there were great moments in the movement there were challenges Prior, we're going to pick this up this morning, chapter 5. We're going to pick it up in verse 11. I'm not going to read to you. I'm, I'm going to read to you nearly the whole chapter this morning just so you know I'm prepared for that. I'm not going to read to you the first 10 verses. But basically what we see in those first 10 verses are, are problems. We see some negative things that are taking place here, uh, some seriously bad stuff going on. I mean, there was a couple in the church who were not being honest with the church. They were lying, not being truthful, and they lost their lives because of it. And it was a tragic uh, event that took place. And verse 11 says this, Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. Right? And and so this morning, what I want to do is, as we focus on how the movement began, how they responded, what it looked like in the beginning, let's see what we can learn from the early church. Okay? And, and, And how to be a church that glorifies God in all things. Even the bad, even the difficult, even in the challenges. So let's pick it up now at verse number 12. It says, The apostles, they performed many signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also uh, from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Now, don't miss this. The first ten verses, things are going bad. Things are not going smoothly. But man, I love how this passage of Scripture focuses on the blessings. Right? It turns around right after telling the bad things that have taken place and that the church was afraid and, and they were in fear. We see the writer here begin to focus on the blessings of God rather than on the things that could have been discouraging, rather on, than on the negative. And the, so the first thing that we see here is this, a movement or a church that glorifies God is going to be a church or a movement that focuses on God's blessings. Uh, And so here they're talking about how the apostles were performing miracles, how people were being healed, that believers in Christ, they were highly regarded. People had great respect for them. The Lord was adding more and more people uh, to the church daily. I think at this point scholars say they'd probably grown uh, to the point of around 10,000 people uh, that were a part of this movement right now. And, And think about it. Their focus could have been on something totally different, right? I mean, their leaders were being threatened. We saw last week they were being threatened. They're being persecuted. They're being arrested. You know, their focus could be on those things. Their focus could be on the fact that their numbers weren't that great because actually people were being added to them daily who were believing in Jesus Christ. But it also says here that no one was coming to their services Right? It says no one dared to join them where they were meeting. Right? Two of their members were caught lying, and God, uh, you know, lying to God, and, and they were struck dead because of that. And, and I don't doubt that there were some people there, because I know people and people will be people. I don't doubt that there were some people there that were negative about all this that was taking place. And they were critical uh, about that. But overall, as we read here, it seems, especially the leadership, it seems they were focused on what? Not on the bad that was happening. Not on the, the, the numbers you know, that weren't what they thought they ought to be. But they were focusing on God's blessings. They were th- focusing on what God was doing in and through them. They were focused on God's blessings. And we need to realize, as a part of this movement, in any situation, God is blessing God is moving. God's pouring out His blessings. We just need to look for them. Right? We need to just look for what He's doing because He's doing something. He's at work in the movement. And so we need to be looking for what he's doing and focus on those things and it's not i'm not standing up here today trying to be oprah all right it's not you know it's not just this idea well if you think nothing but positive thoughts then nothing bad's ever going to happen right i'm not telling you that Uh, As Brother Jim used to say, there's a Hebrew word for that, and it's baloney, right? That's just a bunch of baloney because that's not what Scripture tells us at all. And so I'm not saying that if you just continue to think positive things, nothing bad will ever happen. But what I am saying is this. Focusing on things that are positive and not negative is scriptural, right? God's Word tells us to do that, and when we will do that, it glorifies the Lord on this movement. Other people will see God in and through that when we we do that. Listen to what Paul says in uh, Philippians chapter 4 and and verse 8. He said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or if anything is praiseworthy, think about such things. He's not saying here just think happy thoughts. Right? But we are to think on things that are true. We're to think on things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are admirable. What's he saying here? Focus on these positive things. Focus on what God is doing on the blessings that are going on. And that will help you in your serving. That will help you in using your gifts. That will bring glory to God when people see that in and through your life. Listen, it's easy to focus on the problems. Anyone can do that right? Anyone can do that. In fact, a lot of people do do that, right? Why? Because it's the easy thing to do. Anybody can point out the negative. Anybody can point out what they don't like. Anybody can point out what they don't agree with, because that's the easiest thing to do, is to be negative. And this side of heaven, let me tell you something, everything's not going to be perfect. We don't live in a perfect world. You're not in a perfect church. Your pastor is not perfect right? And so we need to understand that. We need to realize this side of heaven, nothing is going to be perfect. So I'm not saying that, you know, we can't, we can't recognize things that are wrong, but we do need, you know, to keep perspective and realize God's blessing, God's moving, God's at work. We need to be looking for that and what he's doing, not only recognize them, but to give glory for, to God for what he's doing that is good. And so that's what brings glory to God. That's what brings glory to the movement and to the church is when we do these things. Another thing that we see here, a movement or a church that glorifies God relies on God's direction. They'll rely on God's direction. And I want to pick this up. And a lot of reading this morning. I'm not going to put all this on the screens. So just follow along with me in your Bibles. I know you brought those today. Verse number 17. where we're going to pick it up. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in public jail. Now, if you remember from last week, they've been there once, right? They were in jail. They were threatened. Stop your preaching. Stop your teaching. Stop talking about Jesus. Sugarcoat your message. You know, if not, it's going to end up bad for you, right? So here they are again. They arrested the apostles, put them in public jail. But during the night... An angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. He's working. He's he's doing good, even in the bad. See that? Go, he said. Stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told, and they began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers didn't find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, and the guards were standing at the doors, but when we opened them, there wasn't anyone in there. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts, teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles again. They didn't use force, because they feared what, that the people might stone them, or what might happen. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin again to be questioned by the high priest. We told you before, we gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said. Yet, You have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you're determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross." God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. Remember, Jesus told them, you're my witnesses, be my witnesses. What are they doing? Exactly what they were told, right? We are witnesses of these things and so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who will obey him and be a part of this movement, right? So what are they doing here? They're doing exactly what Jesus told them to do. That's what they're doing. Now, it's fairly obvious to any, anyone that a, a way to bring glory to God is to follow His direction, right? I mean, that's pretty straightforward. We have to do what God wants if we're going to glorify Him. We know that. And I would say that most churches know that as well, at least when it comes to the big things like fulfilling the commission that we've been giving and, and sharing the gospel. And I believe everyone would nod their head in agreement with Peter when he says to the Sanhedrin court that we must obey God rather than men. That's good preaching, right? It's popular preaching. We must obey God rather than men. Everybody would say amen to that. And and while most will agree to wanting to fulfill the Great Commission and share the gospel with people, some people will at times, though, want to listen to people who aren't part of the movement they want to listen to people who aren't a part of uh, the church and, and those who are not part of the movement that are saying what we should look like and what we should be doing and how we should act and, and all that kind of stuff. And believe me, there are a lot of people who are not in the church There are a lot of people who are inside the walls of the church, maybe, but they're not really a part of the church or not part of the movement that are trying to dictate what the church looks like and what the church does. There are people outside the movement that are trying to influence what we have been called to do. And here in our scriptures today, here in our story, if the apostles wanted to get along with the Sanhedrin, I mean, if they didn't want to create any waves or anything, they, they could have made the changes that they were told to make, right? I mean, they could have done what these lawmakers and leaders told them that they need to do. You know, the ones outside the movement, the ones that are not part of the church, what they want? They wanted the church to stop being offensive. They wanted them to, to stop offending people. They wanted them to quit creating controversy, You know, and and I'm sure they, they, they would have went, you know, guys, we could tolerate this church thing a whole lot better if you'd just stop talking about Jesus. Because Jesus is a sticky subject around here, right? I mean, we had him crucified. and. And there was, you know, all this trouble around that. And then, you know, his tomb is empty. And you guys are saying that he rose from the dead. And we got 500 people that are saying that they saw him alive after we killed him. And so, you know what? The best thing to do is, is if you want to plant a church in this city, you need to stop talking about this controversial subject and this controversial person and the death, and the resurrection, and, and you know what else? You really ought to stop blaming us and blaming the people that, that crucified Jesus because can I, I, we're just going to tell you it's not going to end well for you if you don't stop doing that. It's not going to end well. And I'm sure because there were humans that were part of the movement at this time, I'm sure that there were some that were a part of the movement that probably complained uh, they probably focused on the negativity. They probably were having little groups get together and talk about, well, you know, they're saying this isn't going to end well for us and, and all that. And, and and we're not seeing, you know, people won't even come to our services now because they're scared. And I think it's interesting, verse 13 and 14 told us earlier, no one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. They were highly respected throughout the community, Not highly regarded, but people weren't coming because of all this that was going on. Nevertheless, it says in verse 14 more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. All right, unbelievers, what's happening here? Unbelievers weren't showing up to their services. So people could have said, you know, Peter, John, what you're doing, what you're preaching, isn't working. Right, our attendance is dropping. People aren't, aren't coming. So why don't you try a different message? Why don't you try a different method? Why don't we get a... I know, let's get a worship leader that wears skinny jeans and doesn't tuck his shirt in and doesn't wear shoes. How about that? Um, you know, our, our numbers are, are dropping, so let's do this. Let's stop offending people for a while. Just, just do it for a while so we can build our numbers back up. Uh, and And... You know, let, let's take out the stained glass windows because we don't really want to look like a church. Let's just look like all the other buildings in town, right? So people feel more comfortable maybe coming here. It doesn't look quite as much like a church. Let's, let's take that steeple off because, you know, that immediately labels us as the weirdo, wacko Christian people. And so let's, let's, let's take that down. Let's, let's be tolerant to, you know, how they want to live. What they do behind closed doors is their business. It's none of our business. Let's not go there. Let's not do that. And then maybe we can get some of these unbelievers to come to our services then. If we do all these things, we might get our statistics to look a little better. But guys, listen. Peter, I know how you are. And if we get them here, if we make all these changes and we get more people to come to our church, would you please stop talking about and using that word, hell? That is so offensive. People don't like that. They think of it as a cuss word. Don't say that in church because it offends people. And if we get these people here, we don't want to make them uncomfortable so they don't ever come back. You know, that's too judgmental. It's kind of harsh. But folks, can I just tell you, the movement did not begin and it was not created by public opinion. It wasn't created that way. It didn't begin that way, and it's not going to continue to be that way. It will not be affected by public opinion. The church is to do what God said do. The church is to follow God's direction, and we don't don't need to be more entertaining. We don't need to be less offensive or talk about Jesus less or not talk about hell or anything else that the world thinks that, that we might should do or say. What we need to do is tell people about Jesus and encourage them to take their next steps of faith. That's what the movement is about, and teach them all the things that He has commanded us to do as followers of Jesus on this movement. Uh, you know, in the last 20 years, I've been this year, it'll be 21 years uh, that I've been here in this church, and we have seen steady and healthy growth as a church. Right, I, I talked about, we've been here 115 years. Do you know that most churches that are over 100 years old are declining and dying? All right, so you guys are the exception, and, and you need to know that. This is, this is unique, what is happening here in Greenbrier in the Nazarene Church. And over the last 21 years, we've seen uh, uh, tremendous growth. And, and you know, we've awesome pastors. Brother Jim uh, was here uh, during part of that time that we saw this. When we came here, church was running like 130. Now we're averaging over 350 uh, in our morning worship. And I can tell you this, it didn't happen because we sang, uh, we had the greatest worship team, or because we did something that was really cool, or, or even great preaching for that matter. It's probably the worst that's in Town, if I had to guess about it, but this church has been blessed. This church is healthy because we seek to glorify God in our worship, in our teaching, in our love for people, and our love for God. I believe that's why God has blessed this church, is because we have been following His direction, and that cannot change. We cannot be influenced by those outside the movement, or outside the church, or those in the world that says you need to be doing it differently. We we've got to continue to bring glory to God through doing what he called us to do and stay focused on that. Now, now, do we try to do things well around here? Yes, we do. Those of you that know me know that I insist on excellence, right? I'm going to pursue excellence in everything that we do, uh, even when it, you know, it comes down to the grass in the parking lot. I want it gone, right? I want it to be excellent. I I want us to do everything that we do, the best that we can possibly do. Well, why is that? So we can look better than the church down the street? No, because God gave his best for us. Can't we do that for him? Huh? And so, you know, call me crazy, but I think we should always do things the best that we can possibly do and do them with excellence because he did his best for you and he did his best uh, for me and we should be doing nothing less than our best for him. And there are things that we have to do besides just loving on people and preaching His Word. No doubt, we have to, you know, administrate. We have to give. We have to work. We have to serve. We have to provide facilities that are relevant to the world that we're living in today. You know, we could look at this and go, well, you know, when Jesus taught all this, uh, they didn't have air conditioning back in the day, so let's just take that out. You know, it save us money. Uh, we could spend it on coffee and all that, you know. Uh, don't push it. I've been sweating all morning. We are not taking air conditioning now. I believe he gave it. I, I believe air conditioning is just an outpouring of God's blessings on us. Uh, but we, we can't take our direction. The point is, that the example that we're given here when this movement began is we can't be influenced by those that are outside the movement uh, uh, outside the church. We need to stay focused on God. We need to stay focused on his blessings and we need to rely on his direction that that he gives us in his word. That's how to be a church that glorifies God. That'll be a church. That'll be a movement that people will be drawn to when they see God glorified uh, in these ways. And and finally, we also see that a church or a movement that glorifies God rejoices in suffering for God's name. This one is hard for us to wrap our minds around. But I want to look at this and and the remainder of the chapter. And again, I won't have this on the screens, but follow along in your Bibles. we pick it up, verse 33, where we left off. When they heard this, they were furious. Talking about the Sanhedrin, right? The leaders. When they heard this, they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put outside for a little while. All right? So he asked them to leave. He's like, I, I want to I speak some common sense into you leaders, you Sanhedrin. He addressed them. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Because right, you remember back, some time ago, Thetis appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him, right? little movement started with 400 people. He was killed, and all of his followers were dispersed, and it all came to nothing. Right? It all fizzled out. After him, Judas, the Galilean, appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in a revolt. Movement began had followers. He too was killed. All his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I want to advise you. Leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. Right? But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop it. Right? You will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in. They had them flogged or beaten. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and they let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. The apostles left rejoicing. Don't miss this. They left rejoicing after they've been flogged and they continued following god now can you imagine getting whipped probably 39 times scholars said and leaving there rejoicing if i preach a little long sometimes people leave here upset can you just imagine what would happen if they got a good beating before they left Stay to your notes, stay to your notes, (laughs) stay to your notes. But you know that being a part of this movement, you know what that means, being a part of the movement? It means that we can and we will rejoice and we can have peace and contentment in any circumstance, regardless of what's happening Regardless of what's going on, regardless of the noise that's coming from outside the movement or the church, look at what Paul said in Philippians chapter 4 back there, uh, skipping on down to uh, verse number 12 and 13. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. Anybody been there before? When it just seemed like you, 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 had, you, know, you had plenty of money, you could do whatever you want to do, you could buy whatever you want to buy, and then next thing you know, you find yourself not able to pay the water bill, Right? That's what Paul says. I know what that is. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret, though, of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And here's the secret. He's learned the secret to being content in any situation. He says this, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. That is the secret to being content, Paul says. The key is this, folks. It's to be in Christ. It's to be a part of the movement. And if you're not a part of the movement and you're not a part of the church, you can't even comprehend this. You can't understand this because the key to contentment is found in the movement. It's found in Christ. It's not being around Christ. It's not allowing Christ to be a little part of your family. It's not, I'm a bystander watching the movement go by. It's to be a part of the movement, to be in Christ, growing in Him and following His direction. That's the only place where you can find contentment in all things, in all situations, whether good or bad. When, when we're walking by His power and we're walking in His strength, yielded to this Holy Spirit, again, it's His power, not ours when we're walking in that kind of power and we have that kind of strength as individuals and individual parts of the body of Christ, every single one of us that's a part of the movement, you're an important part to this machine that's moving along, the body of Christ. Every part is important. There's none that's less important. They're, they're, all, they're all important parts to the body and, and, and the church is blessed and we're able to rejoice even in the midst of suffering that may come along even in the midst of difficulties that we may experience. You know, there's nothing greater. I believe there's nothing greater that makes God, brings glory to God and, and brings a, a great perspective to what the movement and the church is about than when we see somebody who's a part of the movement go through something really terrible, go through something that is, is really sad and, and really uh, tough stuff. To see someone that's going through that still be able to say, but God is good. But God is good. And, and he's, he's going to use this for his good. He's going to use this for his glory. I don't believe there's anything that makes the movement look more beautiful than to see someone that's on the movement going through something that's really, really horrible and still be able to say, God is good. Right? And, and, and so, you know, when, when, when someone is suffering in the movement and they're able to find that kind of joy and they're able to express, God is good, he's going to do something good, and through this, what does it do to the rest of the people that are around them on the movement? It encourages us all, right? To be able to see somebody so faithful that regardless of their circumstance or situation, they can still praise God and give him the glory for it. It just makes the whole movement stronger, when we see that and when we experience that. And you know what else happens? Those on the outside, people that are just watching the movement go by, people that are looking upon the church to see what we're going to do next, they're going to look and say, that's not normal, right? That, that, that's not normal. That's not how people respond to tragedy. They don't say God is good. They say God is bad because he caused it or allowed it, right? And so they see us. They, they see us act in these ways, and it brings glory to Him. And it bring, makes the movement look like a beautiful thing that other people want to be a part of. And they just do. And, and so they look at us and they go, you know, what, what is that that you have? It, it, it's not a thing that we have. It's not a thing at all, but it's a person, and it's Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ and His Spirit that dwells in us, that leads us, that moves us, that guides us. And when we focus on the good, when we focus on the blessings, when we focus on what he's doing instead of the negative, instead of the problems, instead of the poo, instead of the nest, instead of the stains, right? When we'll focus on the good things that he's doing, it can be, it, it will be used by him to draw the people to him because other people will see that and go, that's not normal. I, 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 what makes them like that? Who is it that makes them this way? And and, and we see here that because people in this movement were that way, what does it say? Say, It says, more and more believed. Because they saw this and they witnessed this. And these people that were part of the movement, part of the church that began 2,000 years ago. Now, no matter what it is that you may be going through, can I just encourage you? Look for God. Look for how he's working in that. Because like we saw last week and talked about last week, he's working in all things, the good and the bad. He's at work. So, so we just need to pray that he would give us the eyes to be able to see him and what he's doing in and through those things. Because here's the bottom line this morning. Whatever it is that we may go through, whatever it is that we may endure, as painful, as horrible as it may be, it will be nothing compared to the glory that we are going to experience when we see him face to face. I don't care what you're going through. All right, If you're a part of the movement, whatever it is, how painful it is, how terrible it is, will not compare to the glory that you're going to experience when you get to the end. Right, When you see him, it will not compare. The things that we face here are not for forever. And somebody needed to hear that today. The things that we experience here will not last forever. Instead, we can be looking forward to our forever, right? We can be looking forward to forever in the presence of His glory. And because of that, listen, we can have joy. And we can have it now knowing that He is the one that's going to carry us until that day. Right? We're not on this journey alone. We're not on this movement alone. It's, he, he's going to carry us into uh, the, the day that we see him and meet him face to face. This is the movement, folks. This is what the movement looks like. This is what the movement is. This is what the movement does. And again, can I ask you, are you part of the movement? And if not, why not? Me pray for us God we thank you for this awesome reminder today that we're, we're part of what you're doing if we're part of the movement if we're part of the church we're part of what you are doing and I pray that you would help us not to get distracted because we can focus on the challenges we can focus on the obstacles we can focus on you know the criticism Because Satan wants us to focus on those things. God, help us stay focused on you and what you're doing and the blessings that you're pouring out, the ones that you've done in the past, the ones that you're doing right now, the ones that you're going to give us in the days ahead. God, help us just focus on the the call to make disciples and and to to be a, a representatives of you on this earth as we go about our our daily lives it doesn't just happen in this building most importantly where it happens is at the job at the restaurant at the grocery store at school that's where we do your greatest work and so God we want to be available to that we want to be obedient we want to look like you so we give you permission to continue to mold us and make us into your image so that people would see you and even when we run into stuff that's difficult and, and hard to swallow, God, help us just stay focused on what you're doing and your blessings and your love and what you want to do in and through every situation that we face. And I thank you for this reminder today. I thank you for loving us enough to allow us to represent you on this movement for inviting us to be a part of this movement. And if there be anyone here today that's just been watching from the outside, God, I pray that they would find a place somewhere to just get with you and surrender their lives totally to you and to your spirit and allow you to do a work in them that only you can do. And God, guide us as a church. Help us in the days ahead to be a beautiful representation of you in this community and in this world. And we'll be careful to give you the glory and give you the praise that only you deserve. It's in Jesus' powerful name that we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love you so much.